Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Video segments of this and other episodes of the podcast can be found at Sales Leadership United, hosted on Patreon. Think of Sales Leadership United like a Home Depot for sales leaders. It's a comprehensive resource for sales leaders with over 100 hours of tools, training, and insights sorted and tagged into every category you might need to help you become an elite sales leader. A private podcast, sales leadership training, sales meeting insights, video insights, and much more are waiting for you to check out at Sales Leadership United. Don't reinvent sales leadership. Tap into proven tools and techniques used by many of today's most successful sales leaders and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from this week's sales leader who's making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Chris Cosro, Senior Sales Manager of U.S. Growth for Showpad. Being a sales leader for Showpad is good enough reason to get on my show anytime because I am a big fan of Showpad. But Chris has a focus I'm super excited to explore today. For the past two years, Chris has been responsible for leading first-time sellers at Showpad. Chris takes people that are brand new to sales and helps transform them to highly successful salespeople. And under Chris's leadership, these salespeople are thriving and contributing to the rapid growth Showpad continues to experience. Now, Chris and the entire Showpad team are experiencing remarkable growth as they scoop up awards in the enablement space and turn heads all along the way almost every day. Chris is also an active leader in his AASP chapter and continues to contribute every day to our sales community all around the world. I'm, I'm really excited to have Chris join me today because we're going to talk about some things in this episode that we've never dug into yet in our show history because I've never talked to a sales leader that has the unique focus that Chris has. And so as a result, I could not be more pumped for the conversation we're about to dig into. So Chris, welcome to the show and thanks so much for joining us. Rob, really appreciate you having me here. And thanks again for the opportunity to, to share our story. Uh, I've been a huge fan of, of you and the podcast ever since um, our buddy Ryan Lovett. Uh, Love that guy, man. Two years ago. Yeah, Ryan was one of the early guys on the show. And uh, I, I love what work he did. And and uh, he's off doing really exciting things again now. And and uh, but but today we're talking about you, man. And and, uh, and what you're doing is awesome. I'm, I'm so grateful to have you join us today, Chris. Thank you. Uh, thank you. It, it truly is my pleasure and uh, super excited for, for the conversation. Well, why don't we start by having uh, having you just give a high level on on Showpad, who you guys are and where you fit and what you do for your customers? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we're a revenue enablement platform. We do a lot for a lot of different people, but at our core, we try to help people who interface with customers have more effective conversations that drive to a better buying team experience. So in other words, we try to help our customers sell more stuff to their customers. Yeah, and you guys have grown a lot. I mean, you've you bolted a bunch of things in to go from a plot product to a platform. I think that's a fair 
uh, thing to say that you guys have a platform that solve a number of different revenue enablement uh, problems. Uh, and I'm a fan. So at the end, we'll make sure that we make it easy for people to connect to you and the show pad. My, my one that's more fun though, Chris, I, I love learning about people's journey just at a high level. I, I don't meet very many people that tell me it's happened once or twice on the show now, but very few people tell me I grew up saying I'm going to be in sales. <laughs> Can you tell me what led you to sales and ultimately the show pad before we dive into this conversation today? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I went to the, the University of Illinois, Chicago, the, the Harvard of the Midwest for uh, kinesiology and exercise uh, physiology. Um, and I had every intention of going into a, a category called corporate wellness. Um, well, that required uh, a, a lot more school and for the economy not to crash in 2008. Um, so I pretty quickly realized that that wasn't the direction I was going to go. But I worked at a bar all through college, serving, bartending, and loved the idea of being able to, to make some money with the gift of gab. Um, and so, you know, I know now that that's not really what sales uh, is all about, but it, it seemed like the most direct path towards a, a job out of school. Um, and then I like to say I, I did the holy trinity of uh, intense training first sales jobs. Uh, so I did enterprise rent-a-car. I did uh, okay. third-party third party logistics, and then I did technical staffing um, before uh, before I found my way through that technical staffing role into software sales and been been here ever since. I love the journey. I, I love it, man. And, and I relate to all those different steps. In fact, we've got like a little over 20,000 people that are listening to us now, sales leaders in all kinds of different environments. And they're probably nodding their heads like you and I are as they listen to your story. <laughs> they related because we all kind of fall into sales. Like I said, very few people like intentionally say, that's what I want. We're accidentally involved. We get intentionally successful. And uh, thank you for sharing your story, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. It's, it's hard to meet a, a sales professional who hasn't worked in one of those three spaces either. So it's, it's usually pretty easy to relate. Right. So, so let's talk about you for a minute. I, I find it so cool that you're the guy that takes the people that are brand new to sales and you get them what I call customer ready, right? I mean, this, this idea of being customer ready and, and getting them ready for the show, uh, you know, ready to go play with the big boys. That's, that's a big job. That's really important. I mean, there's so much that goes into that because I actually think there's an epidemic right now. And I want to throw this out on the table because I think that this will set the stage for our conversation, Chris there's so much hiring going on and, and people are looking to get good people like crazy, but there's a lot, particularly in SaaS sales where you are. Um, there's this thing, you know, I, I can't hire someone unless they have X number of years SaaS experience. And people are terrified to take good people, talented people, you know, smart people, ambitious people. No one wants to go first, bringing them to SaaS, man. Nobody wants to go first. And I've always interpreted that as code for, hey, we don't know what to do with you. We don't know how to make you successful. We want someone else to do that. And then we're going to try and benefit from it later on. Can you start with that? Like, why does, like, you have this unique job, you know, how how do you get after it? Why does Showpad say we're not afraid of that? In fact, we want that. Can you start talking a little bit about, about where you fit in that sales leadership world? Yeah, I mean, for one, I, I think you're you're spot on. Uh, maybe we don't want to say it, but um, you know that that is exactly what happens when people are afraid to take a risk on somebody who hasn't done exactly what they're doing before. Um, but in my eyes, as long as somebody's coachable, curious, and, and at least to some degree, you know, intelligent, 
Um, you know, I think hard worker too, that that's kind of par for the course, but, uh, as long as they have those characteristics, you can bring them in. And if you train them right and you train them well on things that matter, like you're going to be able to get an incredibly successful rep after, you know, three, six months, whatever, you know, obviously different companies have different rates of onboarding, but I, I think if anything, the, the more raw you, you bring somebody in, the more, the more moldable they are, as long as they're coachable, curious, and smart. Coachable, curious, and smart. I like those. Those are good three, good three words. Uh, we could dive into any one of those things. But yeah. what I like is how you set the stage. You're not afraid of it. So let me ask you this then. So sometimes people think, you know, people are either have it or they don't. They either have the aptitude for sales or they don't. Um, can, can you develop elite salespeople or do they kind of come that way? You 100% can develop an elite salesperson. I, I do think there's certain, you know, foundational characteristics around communication and your ability to effectively communicate that you either, you either have or you don't. And, and that's where I think it's, it's challenging. But I can take somebody who's, and I'm not saying me, I'm saying like the, the right sales leader, um, but they can take somebody that, that either has, you know, really, really strong conversational skills, but maybe lacks structure in their ability to command a meeting. And we can teach them how to command a meeting. Or we can take somebody who's crazy rigid and, and maybe isn't the most fun person to have a conversation with and teach them how to be more fun and more conversational. Um, and, you know, teach both of them how to follow the right sales process, ask the right questions. And I'm not saying that this needs to be a playbook, Rob. What I'm, what I'm saying is there's very basic structural elements of an effective sales conversation that if, if you just teach to people over and over again and break it down to its simplest form, I think, I truly think most people can learn it and most people can be really effective salespeople. I like that. I'm, you have to be, I'm, I'm taking down notes here. I like this, like how you're talking about, you can teach people how to have that conversation. And what I love is it's not about manipulation. It's not about uh, gimmicks. It's not about, you know, entertainment. It's about, can I talk to people and have a better business conversation or problem conversation, or I'll, I'll let you teach me how you do that. But you're, you're breaking that down and teaching them how to have conversations that matter. Am I saying that right? You, you nailed it. And, and I think, um, you know, that the problem conversation is, is the big thing that we really focus on. Like what I'm trying to do is, is not tell people, here's the playbook, go run it, but more so here's the mindset of how you should think about approaching a customer conversation. Here's the things that matter uh, that, that you really need and want to find out. And here's the things that don't. And I'm not talking about like banter or med pick even here, but it's more so like we're trying to understand a pain that the, the prospect has, or at the very least one that they're starting to think about why that pain matters why that pain behind the pain matters, and then what the impact of either fixing it or not fixing it would be. And I know that's like a gross oversimplification, but that's really all we're trying to figure out here. And, you know, once you figure that out and get a really strong command around being able to articulate that and make sure that the prospect really understands that you understand them, then we can start to talk about, you know, the, the bant or the med pick and who our EB is and when they need a decision. But it all starts from that very foundational element of just understanding the problem and the impact of either solving it or not solving it. All right. So let me, let me give you the mic, man, and let, or let you drive or give you the wheel, let you drive. So like I said, we've got a lot of people here. Some might be afraid of hiring people that don't have experience. 
maybe they do, but they, they want like faster time to revenue or higher percentage of people that like hit quota, or there's all kinds of, of really meaningful ways to look at how good are we at bringing people up to speed and getting them to proficiency. Cause I think that's what we're looking at. We're not looking at who's world-class. We're not looking at who's best in the business. It's, can we help people be proficient? I loved how you said you can create an elite salesperson because you're right. I mean, if you can have these conversations you're talking about, that already makes you different than most of the people, right? So how do you do it? Where do you start? How, how, how do you get that going? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing that, that we try to do at Showpad in, in our growth segment, in our commercial segment, is just eliminate as much nuance as possible. Because that's the thing that cripples, especially a new new salesperson or I think a new hire at your company that, that maybe does have sales experience, is there's so much nuance in our profession that it's really hard to navigate that nuance. So our goal, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here taking credit for it, but this really started from my, my RVP of sales, uh, Jeff Pazitek who said like, okay, you're, you're telling me the biggest thing our new reps struggle with is navigating the nuance. How can we eliminate that nuance? And he sort of started putting together this deck of just like, what are the most common pain points that we solve for? What are the most common soft use cases that people take a call with Showpad to talk about? And then how can we, what, what types of questions can we ask? Not like the specific questions, not a script, but what type of questions can we ask? to turn that soft use case or that really surface level pain into a real and investable problem. And as much as we could do that and just eliminate the nuance from especially these new hires, but really any, any sales rep for that matter, you go off and, and send them running towards that limited nuance, that, that clear path towards what they need to figure out. And, and it's amazing how quickly they get up to speed. So when you say nuance, I just want to make sure, cause I'm just a farm kid from Idaho, man. So I got to make sure I'm not, you know, I I I I'm I want to make sure that uh, I'm I'm with you because I don't want my our listeners to go the wrong. When you say nuance, is it the same as I say like variance? Yeah, yeah. And Rob, you're smarter than me, so don't don't sell yourself short. But uh, <laughs> whatever. When, when, I, <laughs> when I think of nuance, I, I'm saying like you know somebody comes to us at Showpad with a problem of you know my content's hard to find, and that's that's what I'm hoping you can solve for us. Right. There's, we do a lot for a lot of different people, like you said earlier. So there's 15 different ways that I could go with, with trying to dig deeper on that issue, but we don't need 15 different ways. We need one of like, okay, I understand content being hard to find is a problem. Why is that a problem? And like, you could pull anybody off the street. I'm not trying to minimize the job because we have some really, really talented sellers, but you can pull anybody off the street and just tell them to, to be curious and, and ask a series of why questions. And they're able to do it pretty quick. Um, so it's a matter of understanding which thread to pull on and trying to get their mindset thinking about, you know, what matters most, but really it's like, there's, there's kind of one question to ask after somebody gives you maybe three minutes of monologue on, on what problems they're trying to solve. And it's, you know, why is this particular thing a problem? I like this. Um, I got to guess the more complex your sale, the more nuance or variance we see. Is, is that true? Um, and can you talk a little bit about that? Because I do know that you have at Showpad, you have a complex sale because the very nature of being a platform means you solve multiple problems. You aren't just solving one problem for one person, right? 
Right. Yeah. And you're, and you're spot on. We're solving a lot of problems. There's a reason we have eight on that, uh, that slide that I talked about. Um, and usually those eight problems spread across at least two teams, hopefully three or four. Um, and, and we need to prove to all of those teams that we can solve their problems. Right. So that's a really, really complex sale. But when we can boil it down to one or two big meaty statements of what we're trying to fix, and we can for what it's worth, like that, that's where it's not so complex anymore. Even though we're navigating multiple stakeholders, we're going through, you know, a long and competitive sales process. Like the more we can just get to that first call, a real impact that we can articulate better than any of our competitors, better than, you know, hopefully even our prospects can, the more they're going to believe that Showpad has the best solution for them. And, and we're damn confident that we do. But throwing feature function, customer story at them only goes so far. It's, it's about understanding. I love this because you just told me you have a complex sale. You got eight different things you can do for eight different people. And yet you're able to get brand new sellers and have them do that with proficiency. I mean, this is something that all the people listening to the show, I hope you're nodding your heads. You're like, huh, how do we do that? So, so what can, can you like point to like two or three things that you have found are, are, are like really, really helpful in creating this, I'm going to guess it's fairly situational specific, but I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Uh, <laughs> how do you how do you go about uh, creating that kind of consistency, which has to lead to confidence as you remove that nuance, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I like to think of it as you know situational coaching at scale, and and one of the biggest things we do. Um, that again, shout out to my, my VP Jeff for suggesting this way back when, but we've been doing it twice a week for over a year now and the team loves it. We just had a meeting to ask, you know, what should our team meeting cadence be this year? And this was one thing they all said, don't change. We carve out an hour at the end of the day and we do film review on a discovery call. And we're not looking for like, Hey, you know, name the 15 things we just heard from this person's, you know, intro monologue on why they took the call. It's like, what one thing would we pull the string on and ask a follow-up question of like, Hey, other than the obvious, why is this an issue? And the biggest thing I'm trying to do is again, not like force everybody towards the exact same playbook, but force them to think about the customer's problems and prioritize them in a way where we're getting to the most investable problem Hmm. early and often. And we're, we're, we're hammering home on how Showpad can fix or solve for that big media investable problem. So I could talk for a while about this, but when I, when I think about, you know, putting this in practice, you know, Showpad, obviously, you know, we don't sell the same thing everyone else sells, but somebody took, take, takes a meeting with us because their content's disorganized. It's hard for sellers to find the right content at the right time. If our rep can ask, okay, why is that an issue? Other than the obvious, you know, I'm sure that's frustrating for everybody. Why is that an issue? Well, if they're not finding or using the right content at the right time. They're not conveying our message to its, you know, fullest potential, you know, and that's bad. Hey, call me stupid, but, but why is that bad? Well, it's bad because we have 10 competitors and if they're conveying their message more effectively than we're conveying ours, we're probably losing some of those competitive deals. And then it's like, okay, there's our aha moment. Hmm. I like that. By having your content difficult to find, that's not like, killing seller productivity. That's not like annoying because you get slack. That's causing you to lose competitive deals that you could otherwise win if your sellers just use the right damn content at the right time. And then Rob, because of how much we do for how many different people, that also opens up 
the uh, you know Pandora's box a little bit to say like, okay, why why is it that we don't think sellers know about the right content to use at the right time? And that that kind of you know obviously like can go into a whole other mess of enablement challenges and, and things that we solve for. But at the end of the day, if it's us and six other vendors who can all make your content easier to find, but we're the ones saying that we're going to increase your competitive win rate by the way that we help your sellers find content, who do you think has a leg up in that deal? Yeah, I like it. So this idea of situational coaching at scale really interests me. Um, how how much of that like is practice versus I love how you call it film review. And I know you guys have a really good product that you probably use your own product for that. And I love your product. Um, can you talk about that relationship? Because I think one of the things that leaders don't get enough of it, it started with, it started with COVID it's this observable moments. It's this watching, actually watching people do their job. And it led to like this increase of, of spreadsheet leadership where we're just looking at the numbers and making inferences. And I have too many people that I work with that they aren't seeing firsthand what goes on. Can you just talk a little bit about those moments of observation? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the most powerful tool I, I could ever have in my coaching tool belt. And I'm not even, you know, obvious shameless plug for Showpad's solution to it, like you mentioned, but I don't care if you're using just Zoom to record it and watching it back. Like you should be watching reps game film. I think it's super important to join calls live, not to be a super rep, but to observe what's happening, be in the moment and be able to deliver uh, coaching on what's happening live. But when I think about the the film review, especially and our ability to, record a rep's discovery call, record the session where we break down their discovery call as a team, give tips on what we demo based on the firm use cases that we were able to develop on that uh, discovery call, and then also record that demo. How powerful of an onboarding tool is that for my next batch of new reps? So to your point, like you ask about practice versus, you know, this game film and um, the, the sort of uh, artifact, if you will, of, of uh, what good looks like, I think they go hand in hand. So my mm-hmm. thing is give, give the new rep a really clear idea of watch this call, then this film review, then this demo. Take, take two notes on, on each call of you know, things you took away that you would do or do differently for that matter. You know, do, do three of those maybe, and then let's have a mock call where we practice it. And I'll give you, you know, a, a real, a real inbound lead or a real uh, outbound lead that we set up and we'll run through it as a mock. And you'd be amazed how quickly these new reps are learning from just doing this like three times, like three mock calls and they're, they're, they're customer ready. Well, what I like, uh, what I like, Chris, is I listen to you is you, you put a lot of things out in front of your team. What do we keep? What do we change? And they said this situational coaching and practice at scale don't take that away. They're like, no, you're keeping that. And and so that's interesting to me because sometimes I hear people say, oh, I don't want to role play or, oh, I don't want to do this. Or why don't you just let me go sell? And here you are working with people that are new to sales and you're trying to get them proficient and confident and know that they're customer ready, not wonder if they're customer ready. And, and, as they look at all the things that help them, the one thing they told you don't get rid of is this concept of practice. So any advice on how to create moments of practice to the listeners that we have here listening to you right now? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is it it has to be uh, it has to be interactive. So a mistake I made early on is, you know, I have a strong point of view on what what good looks like versus it, what it doesn't look like. And, you know, I was guilty of occasionally sitting on a soapbox and, and preaching to the team. And you, you saw engagement nosedive. So what I've seen a lot of like really, really good um, examples of is when when the team, especially the people who have been with us for, you know, a few quarters, a year maybe a little over a year, like they're really getting in and they're saying the things that I used to be saying, or they're, they're giving the feedback that is the exact same as what I would want to give. And when the reps are doing it themselves, like my dream film review, I barely talk. And it's amazing how much they collaborate. It's amazing how much they give the exact type of advice I would give. They, you know, assess the, the priorities of the prospect the exact way that I would. And, uh, and it's really, really powerful. So my, my tip for that, it's an easy one. It's dumb. I, I took it from uh, Winning by Design, who, who we got some training from a while back. Love but you just call somebody. Oh, yeah, he's the man. Um, oh. Shout out Jeremiah, who's our uh, practitioner. Cool. Um, so, uh, he, you know, the idea is just basically like we're going we're gonna to play little snippets of the call. Before I do that, it's, you know, if this is your call, Rob, hey, Rob, who do you want to get feedback from first? You call on somebody, they know when I press pause, it's their turn to answer. And then I'm also opening up to the rest of the group. You know, hopefully the person has perfect feedback, whatever. There's, there's no, no colored ad, but I'm always asking like, what does everybody else think? Any strong opinions either way? And they're chattering, they're chattering, they're calling on one another then to give feedback the next pause. And it's just incredible how much it actually drives that engagement. That's that's really insightful. I just, I'm listening and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about what you're saying, Chris, because I think everyone says practice, you know, is important. And we've all heard, you know, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. We've heard all these different things and, and, or practice makes progress. But I don't think there's a lot, maybe, maybe some organizations are going to disagree with me because they do, but I think it's more unusual than normal to have a really good practice culture. Um, I mean, you've been at Showpad, you, you, you've been a beneficiary of it. Now you are leading that with your team. Um, I guess my question is, why do you think your rep said you can't take this away? That's interesting to me. When a rep says, Chris, you can't take this, you can take this, but you cannot take this. Yeah. I mean, there's a few things. One, because it's, situational coaching at scale undoubtedly they're gonna run into a situation probably in the next week that we covered in film review and like that you just need that to happen once or twice and they're bought in like they are fully bought in so i think that's part of it 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 prepares them for situations that they're then gonna walk into and they see it happen the other thing in like uh one of my reps um a guy named nate really kind of like coined this term but he, he kept calling it free demo prep He's like, he would always submit a call for film review when he knew, when he knew he had the demo the next day, because all it did was help him create his slides for the intro of what problems we're trying to solve. What compelling statement can we, can we provide about what problems we're solving for that prospect? And then what can we demo to them? That's going to relate to those problems the best. So I, I think like, it's all about what's in it for the rep. And those are two huge things. Free demo prep is awesome, dude. That's so <laughs> cool. Free demo prep. So this works good live or remote, I'm guessing. We've, 
uh, we've never been live uh, since we started doing it. Well, that, that's a lie. We, we probably did one day in a conference room in Chicago, but otherwise it's been, it's been remote um, almost the entire time. Okay. I like it. How important is it to have reps learn to break down other people's calls rather than you just always doing it for them? So important. Cause what we talked about earlier, Rob, is it's all about mindset. Like, yeah. I don't need to tell them here's how to think about, like, I don't need to tell them here's what you should be looking for. Uh, specific to like this use case is better for us than that use case. But it's more of like, how can you dissect what the person's saying and what matters most to them and what's most likely to lead to an investable pain? So I know those are like big meaty ideas. I think that comes back to why I said earlier that uh, intelligence is, is definitely one of the things you need to be a, a successful rep because it's not easy to understand like how I can think three steps ahead to which of the, the three things you just told me you care about are going to lead to the biggest, meatiest problem. Yeah. But if you can start to think that way of like, okay, you know, onboarding is an issue, but you said you're, you're not hiring that much. Uh, content's hard to find. And you, you, we got to the point where you told me that's, um, you know, lowering your competitive win rates. And then, you know, also sometimes people use off-brand content and we hate off-brand content. Like okay. if I can bring the rep, which of those three to pick out as like the biggest medias problem, that mindset is, is just so important. And then if they can say, Hey, my do differently for your call snippet, we just listened to is you, you pulled the string of the wrong problem. That's such an aha moment. Well, I think that one of the most important things, Chris, and you're, you just reminded me of this. Sometimes leaders try to give them this playbook, like you said, and then they just hope that they memorize it and they say it and they try and you know certify on it, whatever. You aren't doing that. You're teaching them how to think. You know, you're, you're teaching them how to have eight conversations, for example, if I wrote my notes down right. So I think great leaders don't teach people what to do. I think they teach them how to think. So when they're having these eight conversations, they're able to pivot. Is there truth? Am I, am I saying that right? You nailed it. And, and that's what it's all about. Pivot ready reps. Like uh, if, if I can put somebody in front of, cause that's the thing too, you're going to get all into those situations probably in a week or two. And you need to know like which situation you're in and how to think about handling it. You don't need to know, you know, the script on how to handle it. You just need to know how to think about it. And so that's why I think I want to dig into that. I want to dig in the, the ability to pivot, the ability to navigate, because sometimes when they get trained on a problem or a product or whatever, it's like whoever said it, I can't remember all of a sudden, once I have a hammer, everything becomes a nail, right? <laughs> and they're, they're swinging that hammer over and over again. But you're not, you're teaching people to navigate. And like we said earlier, have a complex conversation, but feel very confident in it pretty quickly, right? I mean, pretty quick in their, in their career. So I'm guessing you have like, you teach them the ability to pivot and navigate. Is there like, if then training, are you teaching if this, then, I mean, cause I'm a big believer in teaching people if then, because then they know how to think there's like no problem. They can't navigate. How, what's your approach to that? Yeah. I mean, that's spot on Rob. That's you said it better than I can. So uh, kudos to you, but that, that's kind of exactly what we're trying to do. If you hear this, then you should assume that. And, and, you know, it's, it's as basic as like, if you hear something's a problem, you should ask why it's a problem, ask the impact of the problem. And if you can't get to a real impact of that problem, then you should move on to a different pain that you heard and, and try to peel back the layers there. Because at the end of the day, if we can't get to any quantifiable impact, 
And I'm not saying we need somebody to tell us, hey, my deal size could be 3K higher on average if we did X, Y, Z. I just mean if, if you can get somebody admitting, if our reps knew what to say when, they, the, you know, our deal size would probably increase. Like that's impact. And, and that's something that's investable. And if we can't get somebody to an investable impact, the chances of them dropping a check to us are pretty nil. It reminds me, I don't know if you, I'm older than you, so this may not apply, but maybe I'm dating myself. When I was a young, young boy, the books, one of the book series that my mom would get for me were called Choose Your Own Adventure. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and you would get to a spot. It says, if you choose this, go to page whatever. If you choose this, go to page whatever. And you would have the book kind of go based on how you made decisions. And it's kind of like, sounds like you're teaching a choose your own adventure kind of conversation with these, with these reps. Pretty much. Yeah. And, and the, the only thing I'd say is like, you know, it's, it's almost dangerous to, to over-engineer the choose your own adventure because the last thing I want them to do is say, Hey, I identified this pain that lives on slide five. Let me jump to slide 10 to see how I handle that pain. You know, like, we're, we're, that's the, that's the subtlety here is we're, we're trying not to over-engineer things, but that's exactly what we're doing. If then, if then, if then, and Perfect. the more they, they get comfortable with the ifs they should be looking out for and the questions they should be asking then, like that's how you get really, really powerful, powerful discovery from early reps. Yeah. Because you can put a limit on how many, if thens you kind of, you could kind of, it doesn't have to be an infinite, right? I mean, these are kind of the trailhead. When you get to here, there's three places it can go, A, B, or C. If A, then this. If B, then this. If C, then this. If it's something else, loop back to the trailhead and ask this conversation, right? Yep. And so I don't think that's over-engineering. In fact, I think that's just super smart. And I again, I, I talk to a lot of orgs and I see a lot of people and um, I, I, I see a lot of the work they do and I don't see a lot of this. Why do you, and, I, and the reason I believe I'm right is again, you've seen it when people are hiring, especially for SaaS. If you don't have three years of experience, you know, I, I, I want two years of, of experience or three years of experience in a job that you would probably expect to be promoted out of in two years to three years. Right. And right. so I just take it as they don't know how to do what you're doing. Is there anything that's particularly challenging with this that you would share with our listeners? Hey, if you're going to go down this road, you're going to start doing the if then, you're going to start doing situational type training. Um, any words of warning or, or kind of tips of where you might want to be careful? Like everything, when you choose to focus on something, you're choosing not to focus on other things. And so I think, Rob, what, what hurts a lot of the, what hurts a lot of sales leaders in this regard is or in enablement folks for that matter, is there's a million things you need to train a new rep in your organization on. They need to know the product, the use cases, the customers, the customer stories, the competitors, the competitive differentiation, how to work with legal, how to work with other resources, just literally like a million, million things. And what I'm telling you is none of those things matter unless you set a really, really strong foundation of discovery. And if I can teach somebody good discovery, they don't need to know my product. They truly, truly don't. They need to know the, the problems that my product solves for and the impact of those, but they don't need to know this nerd knob or this widget or how to even create a quote in Salesforce. But guess what? If you do great discovery, you're going to need to learn how to create a quote in Salesforce pretty soon. Um, but you know, you, you got to be really intentional about dedicating, let's just say the first month of a new hire's time to mastering discovery. And you have to basically tell them, don't worry about the other stuff. Yeah, we'll get there. 
but nail discovery, nail this if then situational awareness, and everything else will take care of itself. Oh, this is so good. I can't believe we're down to less than 10 minutes, uh, Chris. This time has gone so fast. Because like, you're the first person I've ever had on the show where your emphasis is only brand new sellers. But I'd be willing to bet that the same things that work for these brand new sellers, people that have experienced it, they would benefit from it too. Because you're right. I, I think most people struggle at discovery because they ask one or two questions and they feel like once they say one or two, I've earned the right to talk about my product. And <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't know all the things about discovery. I mean, when I say discovery, I'm talking about why does not just what's the problem? Do they have the problem? But why does it matter? What's the financial impact of the problem? Is it a problem we're solving? Is it really a problem or is it a nuance? Who does it impact? Why does it impact? What happens? If they, I mean, there's so many things you can see me going down and down and down. Most people don't want to do that. And kudos to you for being patient enough with people to say, listen, for this X period of time, all I want you to do is get this right. Because if you get this, like really get this, the rest of the job gets pretty easy. Amen. Yeah. And is it just a lack of patience? Is it too much pressure to get people like doing deals? Is, it, is that what it is? I and mean, why do you think there's such a lack of that right now? Well, I, I, it's a like, uh, chicken or the egg problem. When you hire somebody who's sold before, you assume they know how to sell. You assume you don't have to teach them discovery. You assume you don't have to teach them negotiation. You assume you don't have to teach them a lot of things, and so you don't. And so they carry mm. over whatever bad habits they had before, and you do a great job teaching them product, competitor, and you know, <laughs> whatever, how we implement a customer, whatever, whatever you teach an, an experienced rep. But I, I truly think good... I'll say it again. I'll say it from the mountaintop. Good discovery leads to everything else. And if you're not spending time with an experienced seller because you think they already know discovery, it's going to come back to bite you, at least in a lot of cases. I mean, there's, you know, professional sellers who have done it 20 years who I'm sure uh, can can run great discovery, you know, wherever they're at. But I I think that's more the exception than the rule. A lot of sellers, Rob, have gotten really, uh, let's just say they've had a, a great tailwind from selling a great product at a great company and, and they've done really well. Doesn't mean they're, they're great reps. Doesn't mean there's not room for improvement. I've learned that the hard way as a guy. When I remember 10 years ago, hiring somebody into a SaaS company I was at and they, we were hiring this person away. We were at an earlier stage and we hired someone from a later stage that was used to having all kinds of things, tools, you know, and coming to our organization, we didn't have some of those things. And this guy went from being president's club person to couldn't get a deal done. And, yeah. and I don't know that it was his fault. It was probably more our fault. We, we'd hired the wrong kind of person for the stage of growth that we were in. Um, but, but what I love about what you're talking about, uh, Chris, if I've taken one thing, it's not one thing. I can't. I got two pages of notes here. This idea about being situational. Um, I don't know, like that's what I want to finish with in these last three minutes or four minutes before I give you a chance to wrap things up. How do you stay current with the situations? How do you know that you've got the right situations? How for someone that might not be doing the situation kind of training, how do you get the right situations and then how do you keep them? That's, that's a great question. And, and, you know, that's obviously where, where the work comes in. Um, We need to be taking feedback from reps. I mean, when we started it, it was literally just, me and Jeff saying, you know, what are the top, what are the top soft use cases we hear that we want to train the reps on how to dig deeper on and, 
and how to ask the right questions to get to a firmer use case. That's where it started, but then it's, it's rapid, rapid, rapid feedback. And that's another area where that group coaching session, it's, it's truly one hand washing the other. Cause not only are they all learning, growing, getting better from those sessions, but they're also forced to be in a feedback loop with those sessions. Are these the things you're actually hearing? Wow, this was an interesting question that we don't get often. Is this something that's worth digging deeper on? No, none of the rest of you have heard it. Like, okay, that's that's just noise. That's not signal. So I think like feedback from the field is the most important. And it has to be pretty damn real time because what you don't want to do is say, all right, every quarter we're going to look and say, do we have the right if-then statements or do we have the right situations? Like it needs to be, you, you hear it three times and you start to solve for it or you hear it five times, you start to solve for it, whatever that benchmark might be. Mm. But it, you can't put a time constraint on it. It has to be pretty damn real time. I like it. So what it means is you're never, you're never done. You're always evaluating. You're always tweaking. In fact, I'm going to guess that you want to have first mover advantage in some of these if-thens. You don't want to be like, oh, we've been beaten or, or these are showing up. You want to be like on the hunt for them, I'm guessing, right? And that's the beauty of the discovery call uh, being the focal point of us too, is we're not, we're not losing deals and then finding out like it's because we didn't have X, Y, Z, you know, nerd knob. We're, we're seeing on the discovery call that this is something that's super important to somebody right in our ICP, perfect persona for us. Like we need to have an answer to that. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree, Rob. Love it. All right. I'm going to give you a chance to, uh, to wrap things up and put a bow on it in a second, but I want to ask you kind of our rapid fire questions that we do to, with a lot of you're smiling, you know, the <laughs> questions, man, here they come. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. What's the biggest sales leadership challenge you see right now? And any suggestions on how you beat it? Hiring. Uh, and I, I, I think, uh, you know, the biggest thing is, is treat your people great. So you don't lose them to attrition, especially regrettable attrition. Luckily that's something that hasn't, bit the showpad team and i can't imagine how bad of a situation we'd be in if we had regrettable attrition yeah we could have a whole show on that um but we don't have time so i like that hiring is the challenge and don't make it harder than it needs to be by losing your good guys right so exactly all right number two uh when you're building teams and you're hiring people, and I'll be really interested on this one because you're often hiring brand new sellers you're not looking to people that have an experience in sales so I really can't wait to how you, how you answer this because yours is going to be a different perspective than anyone else that has been on the show. When you're building a team and you're interviewing and hiring, which you say is your biggest challenge, do you have a go-to interview question or topic? And what is it you're looking for when you fire that one? Oh, man. Uh, my team will make fun of me because I'm, I'm probably the worst uh, first interviewee someone can have because I just seem to get along with everybody. So uh, I believe my, that my weed out rate uh, isn't, isn't very high from that, that first combo. But I, I told you earlier, the biggest things I look for is curiosity, coachability, intelligence. And so, you know, that's what I, we, we follow sales acceleration formula and, and, and uh, Mark's kind of hiring rubric. And, and that's what we kind of built the scorecard around. And, and we're just asking, I mean, honestly, I'm not asking questions as much as I'm seeing what questions they ask. And are they showing natural curiosity or are they asking, hey, what's the culture like at Showpad? I mean, that's a great question. Don't get me wrong. But if that's uh, if that's your number one first question to ask in an interview, I, I don't know, you know, that that's the, the line of thinking that that I want uh, to hire for. So, right, so I got to ask you then, since you told me what you don't like, 
what is a really good first question for someone to ask? Because I think we got a bunch of leaders that would be really interested in your take on this. I mean, I would just love to get a question that that really digs into the meat of the role. And what I mean by that is like, you know, if somebody asks me like, what's the biggest reason that people buy Showpad? Like, that's a great question. Or what's the top characteristic you see in your top performers? Like, these aren't that hard of questions, but I want them to be thinking that way and not like, let me check the box, you know, are you in the in office remote or hybrid like right. you know I, I would hope you ask our, our our hr person that um you know long before you and i speak so i'll, I'll try to think of a better one a meteor one no that's a good one i like it it shows <laughs> that they're thinking about what it takes to win which i think is cool last one uh the great leaders the elite leaders never quit progressing we know that it's about progress never perfection is there anything that you would recommend uh our listeners consume i don't care if it's a book that they read or an audible that they listen to or 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 if you like bite-sized stuff if it's a blog or a podcast anything that you would recommend to our listeners that they they get their hands on and consume well this podcast obviously um, thank you i appreciate that 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 box uh hopefully if they're hearing this at least hopefully they're already listeners um we'll see if i can get you a viewer or two rob with my uh massive massive network i hope so man I kid, I kid. Um, but another great pod that I love is, is 30 Seconds to President's Club. I I've love that. Gotten, they're good. They're so good. And, and I would go as far as to say I've gotten more value out of that as a sales leader who's like a little bit more disconnected from the day-to-day selling motion than I did even as an IC because they're talking about and thinking about things that maybe aren't fully on my radar yet. Um, so so they're great. Love uh, it. And got to got to uh give a shout out to the, to the Bible, uh, qualified sales leader yes. by John McMahon. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously the goat when it comes to creating a repeatable sales process and, and making it work, um, and developing leaders. So, uh, if you haven't checked out that book, I'd recommend hundred percent agree. That's such a good book. I, 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 I his definition, if, if the only thing you get from that book is his definition of PhD, you're going to be better off as a result. Okay. So, <laughs> All right. Um, this is awesome. We're out of time. We're, we're, we've, we've gone past the mark. I, I appreciate it. I'm grateful to you. I want to give it back to you. Just like any final thoughts, you got a bunch of, of sales leaders here. Anything you can do to kind of put a bow on like your approach to getting brand new ones ready to go. Like, should you be afraid of that? Or, you know, or, or your approach to creating situational coaching at scale, any f- final thoughts around this conversation we've had today, if you're sum up two or three things that you'd hope our listeners would take from this, I'd sure love for you to share it right now. So first and foremost, don't be afraid to hire somebody who's coachable, curious, and smart, who hasn't necessarily done your exact job before. Uh, Second, once you do hire them, teach them that situational awareness, teach them how to think about it, teach them how to reach for the why behind the why, and they're going to be great. And you can focus on all the rest of your onboarding uh, learning paths and all the other crap they need to know to be successful once they master discovery, because that's going to lead to a whole bunch of other success. Beautiful. How do people get more of you? There, there's going to be a lot of people that might be interested to learn about Showpad. They may be wanting to connect with you, Chris, and and fire off some questions and how they might they might uh, add some teeth to how they hire and, and train brand new people and get them customer ready or or just be more situational in general. I mean, I think this situational concept applies to people like you do brand new, but I think it might be just as valuable with people that have some experience as well. How do they get more of you? Yeah. Um, feel free to, to find me on LinkedIn, Chris Cosro. I'm super active there. Um, yep. Also Chris.Cosro at, at showpad.com. 
Um, and uh, if you are curious to learn more about Showpad, we've got a great landing page with a demo request. You'll hear directly from my team and be able to put some of this uh, situational awareness and their ability to thread through a conversation uh, to action firsthand. So we'd love the opportunity to do that too. All right. His name is Chris Cosro. He is taking people that are coachable, curious, and smart and helping them get very productive and, and have really fulfilling careers and contribute to a high-flying company that's having lots of success. You don't have to get the most experienced people to have ongoing success. You know, Great sales leaders can get the right people and have them become successful quickly. Chris has given us a blueprint to do just that. I encourage you to connect with him. I encourage you to pick up what he puts down. Chris, thank you for joining us. And as I say to every single person on this show, my friend, happy selling. <laughs> Rob, really appreciate you, man. This is such a fun conversation and I, I always love vibing with you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. And if you're like most leaders, you've got killer sales process, proven sales tools, great sales training, sales training in place, but you've been left on your own to figure out your sales leadership process, your sales leadership tools, and your sales leadership training. And while I found there's no shortcuts to success, you 100% can get there faster if you take the most direct route. And that's why I created Sales Leadership United as a resource center for every sales leader, no matter how long you've been leading teams. Listen, if you like the content of this podcast, you're going to love the sales leadership content in our community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. You can find it on Patreon, and it's like a Home Depot for sales leaders. You'll find video excerpts of this and all of our podcasts in three to five minute segments, tagged and organized by topic to help you in your personal sales leadership journey. You'll also find my very best content. Over 100 hours of sales leadership training materials, sales meeting ideas, sales leadership and coaching systems, and just so much more. Listen, you'll find everything you need in Sales Leadership United. So don't go try to reinvent sales leadership. Tap into proven training and techniques used by some of the most successful sales leaders in the world and head to Sales Leadership United. I also want to thank you, our listeners. Man, we're getting over 30,000 downloads a month now, and the show's growing so fast. It's mind-boggling to me that the show is being listened to by so many leaders in so many countries around the world. And many of you have told me you've listened to every single one of the nearly 180 episodes. So thank you. There is no show without you. I do this because I love the sales leadership community, and I'm so grateful that so many of you find this show helpful. So thanks. Your support of the show has been humbling and inspiring, and I promise I'll keep bringing killer guests to you each week. Just like this one. I was so excited to speak with Chris about this topic. He's the first person I've ever had on the show that specializes in getting brand new sellers and getting them successful in predictable amounts of time. And honestly, I can't believe I've never taken this topic on before because it's a big one, maybe bigger right now than it's ever been with, with how many challenges it is to hire good people. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm seeing the, all this big debate out there about if companies should require X number of years of sales experience as a prerequisite for a job. And I see it particularly in SaaS sales. And my personal opinion is that companies requiring, call it two years experience for an SDR position, is their way of saying, and I've got quotes here, we suck at training you, so we want someone else to do that first. 
And as a sales leader, you should be confident in your ability to help highly talented people be successful. Some of your best sales hires are going to be people that aren't perfect in every box that your hiring rubric says that you got to check. So you need to look at people through a slightly different lens sometimes. And I think it's important to remember that everybody starts somewhere. I'm very grateful for the person that gave me my start in sales. I for sure got hired into a job that their qualities and qualifications would have said I wasn't qualified for, but turns out I ended up doing pretty good for that guy. And and I think you should do the same type of thing because I'll admit being afraid of lack of experience is understandable, right? I mean, it's scary sometimes, but that's why I love Chris's approach. He's looking for coachable, curious, and smart. And then he knows he can teach them what they need to know. He can help them become proficient. And if they're smart and if they're hardworking, and maybe more important, if you know how to train someone, you can create wildly successful salespeople. And you don't have to overpay to get them like so many are doing right now. So I want to encourage you to go back and listen to Chris again. Because one of the first things he identifies is mindset first, which you know I love. And then he teaches, he says that he looks for this right mindset. And then the first thing that they do is they teach how to have a relevant conversation. You know, and and what I'm talking about there is what's the problem? Why is it worth solving? What happens if you do? What happens if you don't? It's not just about the product. I'm telling you, that may be the easiest trap to fall into. You ask a couple of superficial questions and then you start hammering them with product stuff. Um, It needs to be about the problem. And you should be able to teach how to have a problem-oriented conversation. In fact, if you can't, I'm going to go on record saying you should be really worried and you should question if you should be leading a team if you can't teach them how to have that conversation like Chris does. Okay, Showpad is benefiting in a big-time way because they know how to do this. So, yeah, if you can't do it, you should be worried because I do think this is something you should be able to teach rather quickly. And if you can't, I really think you ought to stop the presses and ask yourself why. Because I believe our job as sales leaders is to help every rep on our team grow and improve. Say it another way, our job is to help them get better than if they'd been left on their own. So you shouldn't be scared of inexperienced SDRs. You should be scared of your inability to help each member of your team grow and improve. One thing Chris mentioned that really stood out to me was the emphasis on removing the variance or as he said, the nuance of these conversations. Trying to get people to have a pretty standard or pretty uh, similar conversation about these problems. And you should be able to teach people how to have these problem conversations pretty quickly. And the way to do it is give them a framework. Show them what good looks like. Help them practice. You know, I believe that you should have problem training more than you should have even product training. Uh, I got a lot of content on that. If you ever want to get any of that, hit me up or just go find it in Sales Leadership United. But give them a framework, show them what good looks like, help them practice, and then have them get to work. Because Chris is 100% right. Sales is about having better conversations. I hope you heard him say that. If you didn't hear him say that, you need to go back and listen to that again. Sales is 100% about having better conversations. Chris could not be more right. And we should be able to teach people how to have those conversations. And if you don't know how to teach them how to do it, I promise you, you're not going to have success if you just try to hire for it. You need to help because your product will likely solve a different problem than the ones that the other people had anyway. So learn how to teach your problem. Teach them how to get fluent in it. And, and so go back. Take some time. 
Review Chris's approach about helping brand new sellers become successful in a predictable amount of time. And then go create situational coaching because it's going to help you with any rep on your team. And then I would advise you to do what Chris said and practice everything, all of it. Man, he, he outlined where it starts and how he went through it. And it's practice, practice, practice. The difference maker is not the amount of experience of the reps you hire. The difference maker is going to be how you teach people to think about and discuss and anchor to customer problems. Even before the big hiring problems that we have right now, I remember being in a panel a couple of years ago about getting talent. And the HR people that were there were talking about the importance of hiring the very best people. And I get what they're doing. But it was interesting because I took the position of, you know, it's less about who you hire and more about what you do with them. Like, make sure that they're intelligent. Make sure that they're smart. Make sure that they're curious. Make sure that they have the basic skills. The difference from your number one candidate to your number three candidate is usually very small. They're probably educated. They probably can use computers. They probably can use the basic tools, right? There's a few basics that will be in, 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 in common. So the difference maker is not going to be as big in how you separate candidate one, two, and three. The difference maker is going to be in how good are you in putting them like enabling, I hate the word, equipping them when they take the job, okay? And my experience has been that just a remarkably small amount of teams really get this dialed in, okay? So teach people to think about, discuss, anchor to the problems. It's a huge differentiator if you can have your sellers anchor to problems, okay? Most people that I see do this just give the problem lip service and then they move on. But one of my very favorite things about what Chris shared today was just the simplicity of it. I hope you loved his simplicity. No secret sauce, no silver bullet. Sales should be simple. It shouldn't be complex. It should come down to what you prioritize as a leader, okay? Help people learn to have great conversations. Conversations have always been king. They still are today. Listen, I've been doing tons and tons of sales leadership workshops lately. And my emphasis is in these workshops is helping leaders be more intentional in how they prioritize and in how they create influence. So what you prioritize should be helping people get better. How you create influence should be you're good at helping people get better and they want to. So if you're afraid of hiring inexperienced or even less experienced salespeople, my advice, go back and listen to Chris again. I'm not saying that some roles will require no experience, okay? Uh, Because they do require experience sometimes. All I'm saying is too many companies depend on someone else to train salespeople. And as a result, they miss out on some really great people that could be highly successful in the right environment. And by the way, great coaching won't just help you with the new members of your team. It will help you keep your experienced members of the team. So Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. I freaking love your blueprint and the results speak for themselves. There is so much gold in this episode. So I hope each and every one of you uh, takes the time to to go back and, and take a close look at this, at this, uh, this blueprint. Um, take some notes. Try to implement what Chris shared. And if you do, you'll get massive results. Chris, thanks so much for sharing your insights on how to help transform less experienced salespeople into highly effective, very predictable salespeople in well-defined amounts of time. I appreciate your willingness to contribute to the sales leadership community, and I'm so happy for your success at Showpad. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. 
If you liked this episode, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. It goes a long way in helping me get the best guests in the world on our show. But the best compliment you can give me is to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share the show with someone who needs to hear it. And then be elite. Live strong. Chase those passions. And whatever you do, don't worry. Just execute. Because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.